morning and turn with me to the book of Romans, and we want to pick back up in our study, and uh, this passage has been a great passage for me. It's been a word of encouragement. It's been a reminder of this continual battle that we have um, for living and serving and walking with the Lord, and uh, Paul made this truly profound statement as we go to the seventh chapter. He says, verse 18, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. And I hope that as you contemplate, meditate, think upon that portion of the scriptures, that it would ring truth in your heart and you would identify uh, that very truth that we find in the scriptures. This morning, chapter 6 is where we're going to be at once again, just to kind of end and conclude our study here in the 6th chapter. Uh, we've been dealing with this liberty of God's grace that is uh, abused, misused, it is mistreated, misrepresented. And uh, as we talk about liberty, again, that's what they're doing. They're taking God's grace in their own uh, personal liberty to do, to manipulate, to twist what the Bible would say. And so right out of the gate, the Apostle Paul, he asked two profound questions. Verse number 1 as well as verse number 15. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Then verse 15. What then shall we sin? Because we are not under the law but under grace. God forbid. The same answer for, for both questions. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? God forbid. What then shall we sin? Because we are not under the law but under grace. God forbid. God forbid. God forbid. And the answer there is very simple, very direct. We don't use uh, God's grace as a license to um, excuse sin in our life. And so he talks about this subject throughout the chapter. And in the first part, portion of the chapter, introducing the subject. But in the end of the chapter, he really addresses the attitude that you and I should have towards sin. And that's really where we want to take our focus and our attention this morning is the attitude. And the attitude is found and summed up in one word. So... Uh, we're going to look in verse 17. We'll read down to verse 23. And really our focus um, for the chapters in these three verses, specific, these few verses specifically, verse 21, verse 22, and verse 23. Uh, verse 17. But God be thanked that you are the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh, for as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanliness, uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from Righteousness. Here's really the key. Verse 21, verse 22, and verse 23. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now, say it with me, ashamed? If you're in the habit of underlining in your Bible, or if you're taking notes, I would encourage you to underline that word, ashamed. Now the opposite of what we're doing here is seen in this contrast as Paul talks in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, the famous verse about the gospel, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? For it is the power of God unto salvation. But then he uses the same word to speak of 
the condition of the heart or what we should strive for in our heart when it comes to sin in our life, and that is that we are to be ashamed. There are some things that you should not be ashamed of, some things that we should be ashamed of. And so as we think about the subject of sin, he introduces the question, he introduces the topic, is grace a liberty, a license, is it a freedom to sin? No. Why? Because the heart of the child of God should be summed up in this attitude, I'm ashamed of it. I hope this morning that when you look at your life past tense, or maybe even here recently, if you've messed up, made mistakes, we're all sinners, that grieves your heart, that it personally bothers you. What does it mean to be ashamed of someone? You know, I, I remember years ago, I just started pastoring small little church over in Lapeer, and there was a young man, probably 17, 18 years old, started coming to our church, and I was getting to know him on a Sunday morning basis. That was about the extent of the relationship. And uh, one week I was out and about, went into Lapeer, stopped at a coffee house, and walked in to get a cup of coffee. It was winter, and there he was. And uh, I started talking to him, said his name, made eye contact, he looked at me, and he was with his friends, and because of my position, I guess as a pastor, maybe his friends and the association, it was the guy, I know, uh, very specifically it was him, maybe this is happening to you, but he acted as if he did not know me, and I called him out in front of his friends, and uh, I just didn't let it stand, and um, maybe that's the right thing, that's the wrong thing, but it just bothered me so much, I just... What are you doing? Lying to me right in front of my face. So I, I, you know, he was ashamed. Ashamed of maybe the position. Ashamed of being associated with church and the Lord. But we understand what being ashamed means. It, it, it literally means uh, to, to feel grieved. It means to be bothered. It means to be upset. And this is what sin should do for the child of God. It should grieve our heart when sin enters into our church or enters into our home life. And the Bible says, What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? There were certain fruit that you, you, you bore, fruit that you brought to the surface because of the things that you were involved in. For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin... Because of verse 22, we can be ashamed of sin. We've been made free from sin and become servants to God. Ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. So maybe before you came to Christ, you had a history of alcohol. Maybe you had a history of lying. Maybe uh, there were elements of bitterness in your life. And I'm not saying that a child of God can't deal with those things in his or her life now. But the difference is, is found in the emotion or, or, or how we perceive it, how we look at it, how we deal with it. We shouldn't, as Paul says, use this as a license of sin. What is sin? He that knoweth to do right and doeth it not to him is sin. Sin is what the Bible says is wrong. The opposite of righteousness, the opposite of godliness. And we've yielded our members either to one or the other. In the past, prior to being saved, we've yielded it, bore the fruits of 
of, of sin. Now we're supposed to yield unto righteousness and bear the fruits unto God, unto holiness, unto everlasting life. You know, what is holiness? Be holy for I am holy. It's a distinction, a separation. As the Bible says, to come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. That's really a definition of what holiness is. Holiness, when we talk about the character of God, is that He's separate than separate from anyone and anything. No one in totality compares to Him. Do you remember as the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 6, in the year the king Uzziah died, Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. And the Bible says in that passage of Scripture, those angelic beings were crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. A thrice holy God. And it should be that in our trichotomy of a person that we are, spirit, soul, and body, there's this uh, desire to be holy. There's this, uh, this, this longing to be holy. There is this action to be holy. There's this fulfillment to be holy. And it is to grieve, to be ashamed. Look over in Philippians. Now this is a contrast uh, to other people when it comes to sin. Look in Philippians chapter 3. And we'll look down in verse number 17, verse 18, verse 19. And a contrast is seen here. Have you ever met someone that has said they are a Christian and they're in sin and they're grinning from ear to ear? They are not ashamed. They kind of boast in those things. Has anyone ever met someone like that? Absolutely. And so here's that category and group. Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. Now what's the example? The, the, the example or the example there is Paul walking in holiness. Paul being ashamed. Now, keep your hand here. Let me just read to you again Romans chapter 7. Verse 15, this is what Paul says. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. The difference really between the saved and the lost is the Holy Spirit, conviction in one's life, and that sense of repentance and being ashamed of sin. Did Paul struggle with issues just like anyone else? Absolutely. He talks about it. He's not applauding himself. He's not continuing in that direction because repentance is an about face. It's a turn of direction. He says in verse number 18, For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. No good thing in our flesh. The arm of the flesh can be trusted. You dare not trust it. Verse 19, For the good that I would, I do not. But... The evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelt in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, working against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me? Isn't that the key? Find deliverance from these obstacles and these wrong choices. Deliver me from the body of this death. And then he says, the deliverer. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Then he says in verse 1 of chapter 8, There is therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit is life in Christ Jesus, hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, that in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the what? The flesh, but after the Spirit. Isn't that the key to the Christian life? Now let's go back to the contrast here in Philippians chapter 3. He says in verse 17, Brethren, be followers together of me. Follow me. A spirit of honesty, grieving over sin, being ashamed of my old nature. O wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this, this body of sin? Having the heart that grieves because it grieves God. It grieves the heart of God, so it should grieve us. And then he says, Mark them which walk, so as ye have us for, for an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping. Now that's the spirit that we should have towards those that are walking in the wrong direction. Paul was concerned. Paul was emotionally connected. He was invested. He was there. He was weeping. It wasn't something... As, uh, as without love, emotion of love. And now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Verse 19. Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, notice this, and whose glory is in their shame. Have you ever met someone when you start talking about the issues of sin that they smile about it? We had a young man um, at the same church I was talking to you about, a pastor in the pier. And there was a family there, a really good family. I remember just a small church, kind of like ours, and uh, we were in the middle of the country. Talk about bad location here. We had a really bad location. You had to have a purpose to go on that road, you know. It wasn't one of those roads that a lot of people traveled. It was a purpose. And then you would pass by the church and see it on the left or right as he was going. And um, Anyways, so Sunday morning would roll around. And we'd go out visiting and knock on doors and do all these things and um, praying and anticipating. And in many cases, I found myself kind of looking out the back three windows to the parking lot. You know, oh, there's someone coming in. Who is this? Someone's coming in, you know, and excited, excited about this this family. And um, this one family, we call, called them the Sharp family because they came into church just dressed sharp. They presented themselves really friendly and kind. And uh, um, Bill and Teresa, they stayed in our church until Bethany and I left. Just really good quality family. But they joined and uh, served and ministered and whatnot. But they're... It, it was from a mixed marriage. They both had previous marriages, and Bill and Teresa uh, came together years down the road. But Bill had a son, and his name was Bill. And uh, he was down in Detroit with his mother, this really rough crowd. 
and he got into trouble after trouble after trouble, and finally they had kind of shipped him up there to live with his dad to try to get him away from that wrong crowd and to kind of get him uh, you know, back back on track. But really, wasn't even saved. But long story short, uh, the young man, when he came to church, I remember trying to talk to him and counsel with him, and he would just kind of laugh about sin, just laugh about sin. And it wasn't one of these just hysterical laughing. It was this smirky grin, this uh, sly grin, this uh, grin of acceptance, this chuckle in his voice as if it was cute, as if it was funny, as if it was uh, nothing more than a joke. And that's what we find here with a lot of people. And yet the Bible says that the heart that we should have, look with me back there in text, he says, Romans chapter 6, verse 21. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now? Say it with me. The other group, their shame is their glory. They get caught and they get some kind of kick from it. These things are brought to the surface. They enjoy the exposure because they're wicked. They're wicked in their mentality. Now I know it's from one extreme to the next. And somewhere this paradigm that we all are in, people fall in the place with, with their heart. But for the child of God, it shouldn't be how close I can get to the edge. It should be I, I want to get as far away from it because I'm ashamed of those things that I once did. You know, I've, always, I've often wondered when I go to church, and I want to give you a, just a footnote here. When we have testimony times, be, be careful. I know people have past, but don't glory in that past. And a lot of times the past comes up in testimonies. Man, I did this and this and this, and I was involved in this. and oh, Almost a, in a sense of kind of boasting about it. And then, oh, God took me out of that thing. I've heard people give a testimony on that. That note, and it's, it bothers me. I don't want my kids to know this or that. I, I, don't, I don't like talking about, you know, I, I've got friends years ago that uh, when I wasn't walking with the Lord, and then I came uh, back in the fold, so to speak, and started on the straight and narrow again, and got my life turned around and re-educated my life to the Lord. And, and I remember uh, some of those friends would occasionally come around and they would bring up some things. And I'd be like, man, I don't want to talk about that stuff. I remember probably uh, a year ago, Sasha and Tyler and I, we were out visiting. And Sasha and I, uh, and Tyler, I think Noah was with us as well. We went into the subdivision, and there were a couple of young men on the front porch of this house. And immediately, Sasha said something to the degree of, oh, I know them. Long story short, after the visitation went, uh, was done, we got back in the car, and she began to say, oh, it just makes me feel awkward when I see people that um, knew me before I came to Christ. That is good. That's a good thing. Why? Because it represents what we find here in chapter 6. That it's not an excuse. Grace is not an excuse. I shouldn't live there just because I have some kind of liberty of freedom. We are under grace. Praise God for it. But it's more of a motivation to do better for the Lord, and serve Christ more. And, 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 and yield, as the Bible says in verse 19, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh, 
For as ye have yielded your members' servants to uncleanliness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members as servants to unrighteousness unto holiness. Why? Because I'm ashamed of that old life. I can't go back. I'm too far. As the old saying goes, put your hands to the plow. Don't look back. You know, there's a sad story. Let me try to find this. Um, and if I can't find it to read it, then I, you, you guys you guys know it. Um, and I'll just... I want to find it to read it. I don't want to tell you about it because then we'll all start looking at it. I may have to tell you. You know the story of uh, Lot. Where's Lot? Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. Go to uh, Genesis chapter 13. Look in uh, chapter 13, verse 1. And Abram, Abram went up out of Egypt. Now, here's a picture of two Christians. The two different types of Christians that are out there. Now, this is a distinct choosing. And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and lot with him unto the south. Abram was very rich in cattle, and silver, and gold. My kind of people. I like steak, barbecue, amen. Give me a little silver. And he went on his journeys from the south, even Bethel, where his tent had been beginning. And he went on his journey from the south of Bethel, okay, we read that verse 4, unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. And Lot also which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. And the land was not able to bear them. Now, I want to stop here and say this. There's a distinction that we find in verse 2 and verse 5. Look in verse 2. And Abram was very rich in cattle. Verse 5. And Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. Abram was rich. Lot wasn't. He had some stuff. Maybe he had a lot of stuff. But it wasn't the same level. And I really think that as you study this portion of Scripture out, because of his personal desire to gain, it affected his walk with the Lord. He began to look at the materialistic. And the Bible says in verse 6, And the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdmen, you know the story, verse, 18, uh, verse uh, 8, And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Look down, verse 9, very middle of the verse, Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right, Hand, then I will go into the left. 
Here's the key, verse 10. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zor. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves one from the other. Verse 12, And Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain is What did he say in verse 13? But the men of Sodom were what? Wicked and sinners before the Lord too. Two types of Christians. You've got those that um, choose to pitch their tent towards Sodom. Those that choose to go in that direction. And I think that maybe Lot looked at it first and foremost, not from an ungodly standpoint. I don't think that he said, oh, I want to go to Lot because there's wicked men and ungodly things are going on there. I don't believe that at all. I believe he was a businessman. I believe that he wanted more for his family. I think his intentions were good. But you don't find him seeking the Lord about the issue. You definitely don't find him when he knows there are these things that are going on, shifting direction, going opposite. Wait, you know, sometimes you, you, you play with fire and you get burnt. And uh, I think sometimes there's this desire to play with fire, this attraction, this, this alluring to it. It's beautiful. It's shimmering. It's got different colors and all these different things. And, and before you know it, you're hurt. And that's the reality of, of sin. And it should be, as we find in chapter 6, that our heart's desire is... I want to be safe. What's the old statement? Have you ever heard this before? That your children take another step further to the right than, than the parents do? Or, or if you have a standard here as a parent, then usually your child takes a standard here. I've heard that a number of times in my life. And I don't know if that, it's definitely not the case in every situation, but I think you can find some of that to be the case. Uh, and there's a good principle. You know, have a standard because you're children. Walk the walk because of your children, your grandchildren. You know, do what's right ultimately for the Lord. Look in Psalms chapter 51. Kind of, what time is it? 7, 6, 10, 43. Okay, we'll close with this verse. Psalms 51. And I hope that as we've pulled out just a few verses here, again, our title and our focus, just being ashamed of sin and iniquity, uh, yielding fruit for the Lord. This passage, I know it's Old Testament. There's a lot of things that are dispensationally not for us here. But you have to agree with the spirit and the heart of uh, David as he writes this. And I went to this many times. He says in verse 1, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto thy multitude multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquities, iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge transgression, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned. What does that statement mean? Can you sin against people? Can you hurt people? 
Absolutely. You sin and it has a mark. But ultimately, people are the same nature as you and I are. That's sinful nature. Against the and the only, meaning that God is the only one pure. And sin is against Him. I have sinned. I have done this evil in thy sight. God sees it. God knows it. And again, God in totality is holiness. But what we find here is an attitude that David has. He's after the fact, and praise the Lord, even after the fact, God's mercy and God's grace is sufficient. We praise the Lord that He does forgive. He does set things right. Um, again, this Old Testament thought, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. He's already done that for us. Past, present, and future. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. In whom we have redemption uh, the forgiveness of, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. The forgiveness of what? Sins. Past sins, present sins, future sins. But what, what, what we take with us is this humility. This getting right with God. This spirit of repentance. This grieving. This I'm ashamed of what I've done. I've hurt people. I've hurt myself. I've ultimately hurt the name of Christ. Against thee and thee only have I sinned. I've done this evil in thy sight. That thou mayest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Judgest. Then he said in verse 7, Purge me with hyssop. And then, uh, and, I, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. And make me to hear joy and gladness. That's a key statement there. Because here's the issue. A lot of Christians are swallowed up in guilt. Guilt is not being ashamed. We're talking about being ashamed here. And whereas guilt, being ashamed of sin is one thing, and yet Paul pressed on. I pressed towards the mark. But guilt is something that emotionally will hold you down from letting go of your past and dealing with the present and serving the Lord. We can't go back and fix what we did, change what we did five years ago. I'm ashamed of it, but I'm not going to allow that guilt to be that yoke of bondage. Why? Because I live in grace. God has forgiven me. God has, as the Bible says, past, present, and future sins. But my heart is, as David pours out, it should be uh, this sense of repentance. Spiritual repentance, physical repentance, emotional repentance, a spirit of humility. Look in verse 9. He says, hide thy face from my sins. I don't want God to know this. I don't want God to see this. And blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. I was going to read another passage of Scripture. Um, let me see. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I believe it's in. It is not in chapter 15. You know, we, we don't have the time to look for it, but um, it's about the judgment. And I know it's in 1 Corinthians. And, you know, we're going to stand before God. Will we, will we be ashamed of what, what has been done? What we gave our lives to? Um, 
Will our works be burnt up with a furnace of fire? Will they be tried? Hay, wood, and stubble, precious stone? Absolutely. Absolutely. So in that life, are we playing games with God? Are we okay with certain things? Do we have stuff in our closet? Do we use this license, uh, this beautiful doctrine of God's grace as a license to sin? Or is it that I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've hurt you, Lord. I've, I've affected your cause. I've, you know, and it's amazing. Even in all of that, God still can work things out and get the glory. And, uh, we thank God for His mercy and His grace. I hope it's been a blessing. Chapter 6 is a good chapter. Father, we do love you this morning. We pray that you'll speak to our hearts. Help us in the next hour to come. Lord, for those who are gone, I pray that you give them safety. Lord, we're missing a number of people in our church. We do uh, pray for them today that you would just protect them as they're on the road, give them a good time with their family. Lord, thank you for this beautiful day as it's already been mentioned. Uh, Lord, we just worship you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen.